I want to be vice president when I grow up. And I remember some of my cousins say, but you're a girl. <laughs> and, and my dad asked me, you know, question, why did you want to be, become vice president? And what, the, what my dad told me was, you know, if you really wanted to, you can actually become the president. This is The Sparkcast, a bi-weekly show where we explore the creativity, technology, and business of CG. I'm your host, Marina Antunes. Growing up in Mongolia, Muhtek Nandikjav wanted to be a fashion designer or a lawyer. Though she didn't ultimately pursue either career, they both influenced her career choice as an educator. She works in a field that mixes the creative and the technical, and she commands audiences. Munu's passion for learning and education led her to teach, preparing future creative professionals both as an educator but also as a leader with SIGGRAPH, an organization that she first discovered as a young student. We recently had a chance to speak with Munu about growing up in Mongolia, how online learning is changing education, and her work as conference chair for SIGGRAPH 2022. Here's our conversation with Munu Nandigjav. Uh, so Munu, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about, you know, growing up in Mongolia. I just think it's really interesting that it's uh, a place that we typically think of as um uh, nature and a bit nomadic and here you are working in an industry that's uh, very technical and I just wanted to get a sense for a little bit of you know what it was like growing up there it was so I was born absolutely I was born and grew up in in a city called Ulaanbaatar which is the capital um, of Mongolia um, although I was I was born in the capital and really the biggest city in the country um, I used to go out to my grandparents uh, quite often when they used to have a farm. And so in those days, um, I really had this amazing opportunities to spend time in, in some ways in the wilderness where there's nomadic lifestyle. And so just being able to interact with nature and with you know, so many different animals was was incredibly inspiring and also allowed me to learn to um, kind of step out outside my comfort zones, you know, uh, just being able to interact with animals, um, you know, cows. I remember those days where the cows were, were actually uh, taller than me. <laughs> And so, you know, facing my own fears when I'm walking around cows or horses and and really just, you know, learning and navigating my ways. I, I you know, now that, you know, when I think about it, um, it has actually taught me so many things in life um, over the years. And so and so that was um, that was one of the one of the memorable parts of my parts of my life and experiences growing up as a child. And then, you know, in the city, um, you know, just like, you know, many other cities, uh, the lifestyle was kind of the same in terms of, you know, going to school and doing different activities. Um, um, and um, I loved, you know, I used to read a lot. So those are kind of like some of the, some of the highlights that I can think of. Um, 
in terms of growing up in Mongolia and um, and just really, you know, having the opportunity to um, have experiences that are, um, you know, that that included these, you know, nomadic lifestyle as well. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, when you were in school as a young child, did you have any sort of uh, idea of what you wanted to do when you grew up? So when I was very, very little, this is this is a time where I couldn't even read or write very early in my years. I used to I, I used to dream about becoming fashion designer and I have no idea where it came from. <laughs> I still I still can't think of where I got this inspiration and where I even got the terms. Um, but I used to dream about becoming fashion designer and I would just play with my dolls and, and teddy bears and try to, you know, create clothes for them using fabrics. And um, it could also possibly be very well that my my mom, you know, did really well when it comes to sewing. My grandma was really good also. Um, and so it might be possible that just, you know, watching them, um, you know, do those sorts of things might have potentially inspired me. There were days where I also used to um, wonder about becoming lawyer <laughs> too, um, which my dad used to explain about it. And I, I, have, I have this very vivid picture where I saw it on, on in the movie on TV. And I, you know, there was a woman who was, who was defending the, uh, defending her client, and I got so inspired by that image, and so I wanted to be her. And so there is a, there's also a part of my life, you know, in my uh, childhood days that I also thought about becoming a lawyer. Um, yeah, and so that was, um, you know, when I think about <laughs> who I wanted to be growing up, um, I just, you know, remember um, as a little girl wanting to become fashion designer. And then there was a time where um, I was experimenting with the thought of becoming a lawyer. So that's yeah. so awesome. Uh, when, when did uh, you or your family and your family make, I'm not sure if it was just you or your whole family make the move to the States. Yeah. So it would, it, it's actually um, only me. Mm. Um, well, in terms of my immediate family. So um Ever since now, this is all, uh, also my when my dad comes into this story. Um, ever since I was little, he always talked about wanting to send me um, to America for for college. Um, he always wanted me to have higher education and you know the best education possible. And so, in his mind, you know, America had the best high quality education system for you know higher education. And so he always talked about it, but I never really paid much attention to it. And uh, when I was actually um, 16 years old, um, I came to America for the first time for a high school exchange program. And so that was my very first time. Um, And really the purpose of that one year, one school year, was to learn English as much as I could. And so it was an incredibly <laughs> difficult year. Um, I remember arriving at the airport in Los Angeles. I, I was in California um, and arriving in Los Angeles 
my host family came to pick me up and there was not a single word I could understand. Um, and so that's, that's where it all began in terms of coming to America. And, um, and so a um, little bit step forward was sending me for high school to start the transition and then ultimately to go to uh, college. Um, yeah. Wow. Okay. I, I, you know, it's so fascinating to me, the fact that you came, you, you came to the U.S. so young and on your own. What was the transition like for you? I, I mean, I expect that you would have been really homesick. I was, yeah, it was, it was definitely very challenging. It was, it was the first time I traveled on my own uh, without my family or my parents. And then also first time really living with strangers really for a year and you know i was very fortunate the family i was living with um during that year um were very kind um and helped me to navigate through the process of you know learning english and process of getting through my classes and all of that um but you know in general it was it was incredibly challenging there were days i was i was taking one of the classes i was taking was us history and and just thinking back some of those days um i would basically write down every single word and translate and trying to understand by sentence by sentence um and and um there were days where it was incredibly difficult but in the hindsight i think it really helped to build resilience through the process um and so the more challenges you know i overcame the more i was able to handle and grow through the process and so um, and I also got to meet lots of different people, um, you know, students, others, international students who came from all over the world. And that was such an incredible community that I was, you know, exposed to at such a young age um, and just learning about different countries and cultures. And um, and then, you know, while living in a completely different country and culture was just such a fascinating experience. Wow. Um, so, you know, you come to the U.S. for school and clearly college or university is the next step. What, when you started thinking about post-secondary, did you have any clue what you wanted to do at that point or were, were you just sort of testing the waters? Um both <laughs> it was really both um so so my one of my uncle's family um actually lived in the states so after finishing the high school exchange program i went back home and finished my um high school in mongolia mm. and then i came back for college uh, when I came back, you know, I still had to go through the the full process of, you know, taking the test and um, and really get admitted into the school. And so that process I hadn't gone through. And so um, and so I was I was preparing to take ACT and, you know, taking a year to really work on my English uh, to college level. And um, and I was also staying with my uncles back then. And so I would just, you know, some days I would just, you know, take a break and start drawing portraits of my cousins. Um, and one day my uncle said, you're, you're talented. <laughs> so he thought I was talented. 
um, in in art and drawings, which is kind of new to my family. Um, you know, when we look at um, my family, you know, they're doctors, they're engineers, educators. We don't really have, you know, anyone who's who's in the arts or came from the arts background. Um, the only person I can think of is my one of my uncles-in-law. Um, but other than that, you know, it was a very new, and so it, it was, it wasn't even in, in the mindset in terms of computer graphics or design or art. And so anyways, um, he had suggested, my uncle loves sports, college sports. And so mm-hmm. he showed me commercials that played in between <laughs> the, the games, and so, and then he asked me, you know, would you be interested in doing things like this? And that was a very simple question made easy for me to understand back then. And so I would, I, you know, although I had no idea what it took to create anything like that, I, I said, sure, you know, I would be open for it. And so as I, as I took my tests and all of, went through all of that process, um, I first admitted into um, Indiana University in the Southeast location mm-hmm. for their graphic design department. And, you know, all we knew really was, you know, to start with there and then see how to make progress for it. Um, what was really interesting is that at the orientation, um, we saw a brochure, Purdue University brochure, um, um, that they had computer graphics technology program. And so, you know, back then, you know, thinking about my 18, 19 years old mind, you know, I had no idea about this, you know, computer graphics industry, you know, back then hasn't really developed as much, you know, at least not at a level where we see um, Hollywood level films or productions, anything like that. And so just, you know, knowing what was possible was even (laughs) not in, you know, I didn't even know or have the full picture. And so, um, and so immediately the thought was, okay, so I'll go through Indiana University first for one year in graphic design. And, and, you know, that's when I realized it was a two very different program. And so one year later, I transitioned to Purdue University <laughs> for their uh, computer graphics technology program. So, um, yeah, so that's how it all started. It was a little bit of, you know, navigating and finding my way. And, mm-hmm. you know, I definitely give the credit to my uncle in terms of really, you know, seeing uh, the potential in me in terms of, in this particular area because it's a very new area that no one from my family has you know navigated before and um and didn't even have clues i don't think my parents fully understand what i do for a living (laughs) (laughs) even to to this day so yeah so you know now you're at purdue you're doing this this program when you graduate, or even before you graduate, like when did you start thinking about pursuing a, a, a master's degree? Because I, I mean, it, I think it's really fascinating that you decided to go in that direction rather than going into like private industry. Yeah. Um, so 
I started going to Seagraph when I was freshman at Purdue. I got really, really lucky. Uh, one of my professors, um, John Finnegan, who was um, Seagraph, I could, I could be wrong. Um, I think it was Seagraph 2006 um, in Boston. He was the conference chair. As I was taking his class during my very first semester at Purdue, and he talked about Seagraph and encouraged students to apply uh, for the student volunteer program. And so that was the very first time I learned about Seagraph. And, you know, I had no idea, still, you know, no idea what it is that I'm about to study and, you know, pursue and, you know, learn about. And so, um, and so I learned that it was a professional conference and I decided to go. And, you know, 2008, it was back in 2008. Um, I was too late for the, for the student volunteer program, but I was, I was not late to attend the conference as an attendee. So this freshman student attending the conference for the first time, um, um, was just, you know, that specific year. All I remember is just not understanding anything, but there was one thing <laughs> that I understood, which was the history of computer animation. Um, and it was a, it was a several hour course, um, that, that took place in the, I think it, it was in the Petrie Hall in the LA Convention Center. So that's one thing I remember and everything else I just don't remember at all because they just all flew over my head. Um, and then there, there was something else that I, I really um, grasped on was, you know, the students, I saw the students, um, you know, at the at the doors and just different places and and I just really loved seeing the interactions they had and so I wanted to be part of that and and um, the next time I made sure that I didn't miss the deadline for the student volunteer program, uh, which my very first experience was in um, the Seagraph Asia 2008, which was the first Asia conference, mm-hmm. um, and so. That's basically how it all started. And then I just started going back to SIGGRAPH year after year as a student volunteer, um, learned a lot, grew a lot through the process along with my you know, fellow students. Um, and then I learned about animation through the process um, over the years. And, and when I was about in junior year, um, I was just really starting to look into it and um, and by the time I graduated or before I graduated, I decided that I needed to look into animation mm-hmm. more. And that's, you know, unfortunately, I didn't have really much of an experience by the time I was about to graduate. And, and so I decided to look into graduate schools um, that I can learn and study animation um, um, and, you know, through my research and um, because I was also involved with SIGGRAPH and was going to the conference every year, it made my research process so much easier. I, I, I was able to see more. I was able to talk to a lot of different people. I was able to get recommendations and advice. Um, and so um, that ultimately led me to going straight to graduate school immediately following my graduation from Purdue. 
Oh, that's amazing. I'm going to come back to SIGGRAPH in a minute, but I wanted to talk a little bit more about, you know, your decision to go to graduate school to study animation. When you were doing that, did you have any indicate any inkling or any feeling of what you wanted to do once you finished your degree? Did you think that teaching was going to be your future or did you think you were going to, you know, graduate and then, you know, start working in the industry? Yeah, so I have um, I have a number of people um, in my family who are in, in education, um, mm-hmm. and also education is is something that's highly valued in in my family, and it it has always been at you know at one of the top priorities for really everyone in the family, and so um, and also you know um, teaching is is highly respected. Um, at least in my country. And so, you know, my thinking was that I, at some point I wanted to teach. Mm. Um, and so with graduate school, I was going in with a mind that I can work on the skills and I can go into the industry. And I wanted to actually work on films. That was the, that was the initial, you know, purpose and plan. And that's what I wanted to do. Um, and then I was also thinking that, you know, this degree could you know, still help me to, you know, teach in the future uh, when I am ready. And so that was definitely the thinking um, in in mind. You know, with education being so important to you, I, I wanted to ask you a little bit about some of the challenges that are that we're facing now uh, in education. You know, the, the one of the things that I thought was really interesting is I, I noticed from your LinkedIn profile that you were involved very early on with some e-learning. Uh, but I wanted to get uh, some insight from you on what you think um, some of the challenges are with even a larger move towards e-learning with, you know, everything that's happened in the last basically like a year and a half. Um, has it changed the way that I expect it's changed the way that you prepare to teach? And I, I'm curious how it's changed. And and if you think that it's also changed the way that students learn. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's definitely something that's been in my mind um, for quite some time now, especially, you know, since the pandemic. Um, and because, you know, I came from Mongolia and I have the window into looking into what the education system is over there. And I have window into seeing the education system here and from, you know, grade school or even kindergarten to all the way up to higher um, education. Um, everybody has been impacted. Um, in terms of challenges, um, I think, you know, depending on who we talk to, different people will have different perspectives at a global level. Um, In terms of my, you know, where my current thinking is at the moment, um, in terms of, you know, what I see, and especially, you know, um, the environment around me, I think there are a couple of things. Um, I like to phrase it as opportunities. you know, the challenges, um, we can always talk about challenges and issues that exist, but um, oftentimes those are not very productive, um, but I like to approach things from, you know, opportunities. They're essentially kind of, you know, challenges kind of create opportunities. And so uh, one of the things that um, this whole experience through the pandemic really allowed me to see 
and be more aware as accessibility um, and preparation. And, you know, when I prepare for my materials and work with my students, um, you know, I have been growing in that process where I have now more awareness in terms of accessibility. Um, now, of course, that's, you know, at a smaller level, but at a bigger scope, um, accessibility can be really, you know, can be looked at from different angles and perspectives and different contexts too. Um, and, and really, you know, along the, along those lines, um, quality of education, the idea of just making quality of education accessible, um, through online is, is I think becoming, you know, it's growing, uh, another thing um, or area that, you know, I've, I've been thinking is that and really hoping to see really globally is, you know, embracing innovation mm-hmm. and really committing to making much, much, much needed changes. You know, some of these changes needed to happen even long before COVID and, and you know, this pandemic process only brought a lot of things to the surface and that's you know mm-hmm. a lot of people really have been talking about and uh, I think you know as, as an educator that's something that I really hope to see and it's you know especially in our field um, that's something incredibly important mm-hmm. um, you know creating current and relevant and adaptive content for students to learn and also you know putting when we when we create films or when we design products, we oftentimes put our users at the forefront, right? Um, I think it would be really important for educators to put their students at the forefront as they are our, you know, our audience and really understanding, especially this younger generation, understanding, the environment that they're growing up and they, they things are even compared to when I was a student and now seeing my students, um, it's a two very different contexts and two very different experiences. You know, there's still a lot of, you know, international students who go through the same experiences I do. So current and, and relevant and adaptive in terms of the content, in terms of the modality, in terms of how it's delivered, um, and, you know, really providing that engaging opportunities is really central moving forward. Mm-hmm. And I mean, especially for uh, this generation, which is, you know, one of the first generations that has basically grown up with a screen for their entire lives. Yeah. So they, they're, they're perfect for testing new, new ways to learn. Mm-hmm. And it's it's also a very humbling experience too. I've I learned a lot through the process uh, throughout the past two years, and you know the silver lining is that it only helped me to grow stronger and better as an educator. Which you know I'm I'm really humbled by the process. You know, of course, you know ideally we wouldn't want to go through an entire pandemic, which is very you know sad and hard thing, but you know, I think it's a, it's something to, to think about and, you know, just really making sure, you know, we are all uh, looking into preparing um, the next generation for their careers and for their lives. And 
um, and really, you know, staying current in terms of um, in terms of tools and technology and content. So. Yeah, well, I was wondering if we could talk a little bit about that, actually. You know, I, I was going to ask about, you know, the challenges moving forward. But I think what I, I want to rephrase that as, what do you see are the opportunities moving forward? I know the last year and a half has been a lot of um, sort of trial and error and trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work. Uh, from your experience now moving forward into, you know, the next, you know, year, two years, three years, what do you think are some um Maybe not overlooked, but where do you think do you think that there are opportunities where we can be doing things differently when it comes to education or doing things better? Yeah, it's you know just um, basically being open mind, having an open mind and positive outlook in terms of um, in terms of where the industry is at and where it's headed and how to prepare students, and then navigate and adapt accordingly, um, I think is, is, you know, I know it's very simple and straightforward, but I think that's, that's really, um, is the way. And, um, you know, this learning experience is a lifetime process. It's not, you know, of course that, you know, through a different process of going to school, um, you know, the learning experience is a little bit accelerated, um, in a school system or in this specific format. Um, but even, you know, going out into the industry, that experience is still there, you know, it's still learning. And, you know, I hope to see more collaborations among, um, you know, practitioners, um, collaborating with educators, um, and, you know, really, um, communicating in terms of, you know, um, how we having conversations, dialogues around how we want to prepare students for their careers, how we want to, you know, um, teach certain curriculums, courses, um, prepare for specific skill sets. And so it's really um, just, you know, looking forward in terms of where are the opportunities and how we can, how can we tap into those opportunities is um is what I think is is really important. I'm curious, you touched on something here that um, I really wanted to touch base on that I think is so fascinating because you do work in an industry that the technology is changing so rapidly mm-hmm. all the time. Like you learn something yesterday and tomorrow it's changed. So I, I was curious, like on a personal level, how do you stay kind of like connected and on top of, you know, the things that are coming down the pike, but more importantly, I'm curious about, you know, when you're preparing, you know, your curriculums and to teach students what those tools that they are going to need for their careers, how do you sort of navigate through all of the stuff that's out there to find the things that are really important and kind of leave behind the things that, you know, in a week or a month or a year are probably not going to be around because it's, it could be difficult. It's very overwhelming with everything that's always out there. Yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting that you asked that question. Um, that's something actually I, I talk to my students as well um, in general. Um, on a personal level, um, I think I want to give the credit to actually my, my friends and my colleagues, you know, just, you know, who are educators, who are practitioners, working in different 
you know, organizations, um, because oftentimes they are the people who I turn to and have conversations, ask questions, you know, that that's really, you know, one of the, one of the ways where, you know, fortunately I have, um, access to, um, and then of course going to, um, different events, conferences, um, you know, having been involved with SIGGRAPH in particular has really allowed me to um, stay connected uh, with consistency in terms of, you know, what's happening in the industry, how things are progressing. Um, and then there are other, you know, conferences and communities that I also look into and just really paying attention to what's happening mm-hmm. and then bringing all of those, you know, my own learning experiences and share them with my students is, is usually, you know, what I do. And um, my colleagues are, and my friends are, you know, incredible resource in this whole process. Um and also, you know, sometimes I bring in my uh, my colleagues from the industry and working in different fields um, and talk to my students, too. And so um, those are all very wonderful in terms of um, in terms of um, my students. Um, you know, this is the very conversation that I have with them in terms of, you know, the t- technology is changing all the time. Tools are changing um, and it's important to be adaptive, you know, that being able to respond um, and evolve through the process is incredibly important for their career and it's necessary. Uh, what I do um, teach them is I, I try to teach them the tools in terms of how to navigate and how to evaluate. You know, if we take specific software tool as an example, and there's going to be evolution of that specific tool. Um, but, you know, on my end, the way I try to guide uh, my students is to show and teach them how to evaluate tools so they are the ones who are able to make the decision. Um, and so that ability, having the ability to, to make decisions between different types of softwares, for example, or different, you know, looking into different pipelines or processes. What are some of the efficient ways to, you know, to um, move forward? What are, what are some of the pros and cons? And just being able to uh, look into those aspects and be able to make decisions is something that I just really try to uh, teach my students so that they can make decisions and navigate forward on their own. I expect that this is a great tie-in, I think, and, and you mentioned it, the, the connection to SIGGRAPH and how being able to attend a conference like that where there is so much exposure to different uh, parts of the uh, of in- industry and technologies is also really key to sort of staying in, in the know. Um, is that one of the reasons why you kept going back to SIGGRAPH year after year? Yeah, so um, when I first started going to SIGGRAPH as a student volunteer, you know, my my goal and purpose was, you know, to learn uh, from, you know, some of the best content and people and be part of, you know, that environment, um, you know, at the conference and then to meet people. 
Um, and over the years, it has evolved um, into, you know, giving back to the community. I've, I've gained so much over the years, ever, you know, since I was a student. Um, and I've seen such an incredible value um, from that whole experience. And, and because of that, you know, I wanted to give back and I wanted to serve. And, um, and so that basically essentially led me to still being involved all these years. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Um, my, you know, initial and still, you know, still being involved with the community and the conference, you know, still allows me to see, um, what's happening in, in the community, uh, um, at large. And then also, being able to see what's happening in the industry in terms of continued evolution and development. Um, but it's really the, um, the work that I've been doing with SIGGRAPH um, has solely been um, just about, you know, giving back and serving. Um, I think it's amazing. And one of the things that I think is so inspiring as well is the fact that you're a young woman in industry that's largely male dominated and to boot you're a woman of color so uh, with with all of that i was wondering if you talk a little bit about you know the work that you're doing as it relates to diversity and inclusion and opening doors because whether you you know know it or not that's exactly you're pushing the boundaries can you talk a little bit about some of some of your experience and and the work that you're doing in that realm yeah so um I started feeling this as one of my um, purpose in my career and in my in my work in general is to advocate for for professional development of women, uh, personal and professional development of women, and um, for for the conference specifically for twenty twenty two. You know the theme is that we want to celebrate people. We want to celebrate the people behind the work. You know, we've, um, SIGGRAPH has been incredible over the years in terms of celebrating the work, celebrating, you know, just some of the best of the best in terms of graphics and bringing together some of the, you know, best, you know, technologies and showcasing that. Uh, for 2022, I wanted to focus on people themselves. You know, of course, we will still showcase um, the best of the from the computer graphics and interactive techniques, but also at the same time, we will seek to celebrate the people uh, behind all those passion pro action. You know, we want to um, encourage um, you know people to raise their voices um, to help shape our conference, content, the experience, the community, um, and so that we can all continue to grow together um, and also celebrating um, the diverse thinking, the diverse ideas and different perspectives um, is really, really um, crucial. And so, you know, we have diverse perspectives and diverse ideas when we have diverse uh, group of people involved in the conversation. Um, and so 
my team, my you know, committee chairs for the 2022 conference is also incredibly, you know, we have so many incredibly talented and, um, you know, uh, women um, on my team, you know, just elevating voices is essentially uh, what we are trying to do with our 2022 conference um, as we continue to evolve and, you know, my hope is that it's going to bring positive, you know, continued evolution uh, for the years to come as well. Um, another thing I wanted to mention was that last year, uh, I, along with um, some of my colleagues within the Seagraph community, um, launched uh, Women of Seagraph Conversations um, within the organization. So, we're part of the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion uh, Committee. Um, and, you know, we have been slowly through 2020 conference and 2021 conference. For the 21 conference, uh, we had two activities, which um, the theme was mentorship. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, and moving forward, we're really hoping to provide more content uh, throughout the year, not just content, but really just provide this, you know, interactive, engaging experiences where we can provide, you know, support and guidance um, around, you know, lots of different topics um, from, you know, communication to, you know, presenting to, you know, a lot of different areas to help um, develop. Um, both personal and professional um, areas uh, for, you know, everyone who identifies themselves as women. And, and of course, through all of these different, you know, initiatives and activities that we'll, we're doing, um, everybody is welcome to participate in the conversation. Um, I am a firm believer that, you know, we make positive changes forward when everybody is involved through the process. So I think that's so amazing. And it reminds me actually of something you said much earlier, which is, you know, how you saw this, this TV show with this lawyer and it inspired you for a short period, at least to want to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And I can't help but think that, you know, the work that you do and the fact that you are showcasing the individuals behind the projects is going to do a great good for, you know, see it, be it. You, you see the person doing the job and, you know, you believe that you can do that job, which I think is so amazing. Yeah, so I, I mean, you're right. Um, there's, we never know, you know, who, um, you know, we, we, I think this is, you know, we all hear that um, kids, you know, when I was inspired by that, I was so little, I don't mm-hmm. even remember exactly the specific timing. I just remember, like, I have this vivid picture. Um, but, you know, even, even, you know, little kids, they, you know, they know, and they understand. And so it's really important that we have uh, diverse representation um, at every, you know, every level, you know, not just, you know, I've been, I've been also looking into um, some statistics and studies and it's, you know, 
it's staggering in terms of what the what the number looks like in terms of you know women in the workforce mm-hmm. and also if we look into leadership the number gets even more and more more and more staggering basically and so um i think it's really important for especially for younger generations to see people that they can be you know inspired by um and diverse um representation i think is is incredibly important you know i was personally i was very very uh fortunate i've been so fortunate um with the parents and family who have always encouraged and supported education and you know in particular my dad you know always helped me to think bigger um there there was this one time i was i was also very little i don't remember when exactly it also happened but my dad has always been super avid reader and you know there's some there's something about that i always try to imitate him and so one day something was happening on tv and i say something like i want to be vice president when i grow up um it was just that in in that moment never thought about it but it was something happened on tv and i remember some of my cousins say but you're a girl <laughs> um <laughs> and and my dad asked me you know question why did you want to be become vice president and you know for my country um and i don't i you know honestly, i don't remember what i said but what the, what my dad told me was you know if you really wanted to you can actually become the president and so that alone and you know just those little moments have have done so much in terms of you know helping me to become who i am today and how i navigated my my own journey um and now you know where i am um also just being able to advocate for um other women and you know hope hoping that we will make you know continued differences for the younger generations and next generations of you know uh creatives and professionals and you know technical thinkers um that are coming you know after us and so I am very humbled and just incredibly grateful that I have this opportunity and that you know um my only wish is that I want to um do as much good as possibly uh possibly can so uh, and and you know with that I I wanted to ask one final thing I I I'm curious about you know as someone who sees so many students and who has such um tight connection to education I I'm curious if you could give a piece of advice to someone that might be interested in getting into you know computers or cg or even like the creative arts what would you what would be the piece of advice that you would give a young person that's even considering or maybe not even considering a career in that field yeah um experiment i think i think this is something that's so very central you know the idea of experimenting the idea of playing um has been you know it has been i don't want to say a loss but you know sometimes through the process we kind of forget you know the the roots of what helps us to be creative what helps us to innovate what helps us to learn and be curious and you know 
Um, I think, you know, if it's, if it's the two verbs that I can, I can advise and, and, um, and give, it would be, you know, really just experiment and play. Um, and, you know, I think with that, you know, there's so much possibilities, um, and so much opportunities in terms of, you know, becoming whoever they want to become, um, and doing whatever they want to do to innovate and to create and to produce. And so, um, yeah, experiment and play as much as possible. And that was our conversation with Munu Nandigjav. You can find out more about the SIGGRAPH 2022 conference at SIGGRAPH.org. The SparkCast is a production of the Spark Computer Graphics Society. Opening and closing credits, as well as additional production support by Michael Edland. For more about SparkCG and our upcoming events, visit SparkCG.org.